Okay, if this ever happens to you, we'll never, ever forget it. We had a friend who was going to, we had some friends who come in from out of town, and they were going to go on this trip, and they needed to borrow our, our van, our minivan. And so we thought, well, we, we got, did some repairs on it, and then we thought, hey, listen, before they take it, what we really need to do is, is we need to have the oil changed. So we got the oil changed, and I just told the guy, hey, go over to this shop and pick it up. And when you pick it up, just, hey, take off, have fun, enjoy, don't worry about anything. He picks it up, and then a little bit later, you get this call from him. And he goes, Bill, there's something wrong with the van. He goes, it just stopped running. Well, long story short is this. The people drain the oil, but they never put the oil back in. <laughs> And I want you to know, you don't have to be a mechanic, but I want to let you know, this is not good. <laughs> this is not good. Because here's what we understand is this. Oil is the lifeblood of your vehicle. Oil is the lifeblood of your vehicle. And you could have the most expensive vehicle in the whole wide world. You could have it all detailed. You make it maybe the best vehicle in the whole wide world. But if it doesn't have oil, it's not going to run. And just like oil is to the engine, so forgiveness is to Christianity. You see, if forgiveness gets messed up, then Christianity gets messed up. Because forgiveness is the lifeblood of Christianity. And since it's the lifeblood of Christianity, I really believe that's why Satan lies to us so much about forgiveness. Because if he could get us messed up in forgiveness then what happens to Christianity, just like the van, it seizes up. We're in a series called Lies from the Angel of Light. Lies from the Angel of Light is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. And it talks about how Satan goes around and he masquerades himself as the angel of light. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at some of the lies of Satan and we've been exposing them to the truth of God's Word. And today what I want to do is I want to take a look at some of the lies that Satan uses to mess up or seize up Christianity. The oil of Christianity has always been forgiveness. It's always been forgiveness. It's been the lifeblood of Jesus Christ himself. Think about it. Before he was even born, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it says that he was going to save the people from their sins. In other words, if you look at that word there, it means that he's going to rescue them from the power and the penalty of sin. I love it because in his ministry, on, on different occasions, he would grant forgiveness of sins. Think about the paralytic or the thief on the cross. I think about the early church and about their message. Their message was, listen, it's all about forgiveness. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And over and over and over again in Scripture, there's this myriad of Scriptures that talk about that forgiveness was the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. And since it's the lifeblood of Jesus Christ, it's our lifeblood too. It's that natural progression, isn't it? It's the natural progression because Jesus forgives us. It means that we forgive others. Think about it this way on the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus is outlining his kingdom principles, he says this. If we forgive men when they sin against us, then our heavenly Father will also forgive us. Paul will say it two or three different ways. There's one in Ephesians and one in Colossians, but basically here's what Paul says. Forgive each other just as Christ, that just as in Christ God forgave you. Bear with one another. 
and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Truly, forgiveness is the lifeblood of Christianity. And if it's the lifeblood of Christianity, then here's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to tell so many lies about forgiveness. Again, if he could just get forgiveness messed up, he seizes up Christianity. And what I want to do is this, is I'm going to take a look at some of the lies that Satan tells us in the arena of forgiveness. Now understand, these are not the only lies, they're just some of the lies. The first lie is this, you can never, ever be forgiven. Your sins are too horrible. And, and I gotta, let's just, let's be honest. We've, we've felt that sometimes, haven't we? The weight of our sin, the weight of our sin. And, and we, we go to the throne room of grace again. And we're going, God, how could you ever forgive me for this again? I believe it's what the prodigal son felt as he was sitting there among the pigs. He goes, how in the world will my father ever forgive me? I think it's what Paul said as he understood that he was the number one sinner. And I think it's what Satan whispers in our ears. And he says this, you can never, ever be forgiven. Your sins are too horrible. The second lie that I believe he tells us is this. You can never forgive those who've wronged you. You can never, ever do it. I want to let you know, I, I graduated from tech, and I graduated from tech from a history, uh, with a history background, and I love to read history. I mean, I love history. And I've lot of, read a lot of histories, particularly about World War II, and I've read a lot of history about what the Nazis did in the concentration camps. And I got to go over to Dachau and visit that concentration camp. And I remember walking through Dachau, and I remember thinking, how in the world could you ever forgive somebody who did this to you? And, and you, you look at history, and you look at all the events of history, and there's so many of them about the, how horrible man has treated man. And you begin to wonder, how in the world... Could you ever forgive those who wronged you? But it doesn't take a big event. It's even in the small areas. It's even in what I would say, the cost of sugar. Listen to this. True story. Mary Carr's book, The Liar's Club, she talked about one of her uncles. And one of her uncles got so mad at his wife for spending too much money on sugar he did not talk to her for 40 years and not only that he literally divided the house see it's not big or small here's what if satan could just do this you can never ever forgive those who ever who wronged you lie number three is this i was wronged and it's not up to me to take the first step I mean, it sounds right, doesn't it? Listen, I was the one who was sinned against. I was the one who was wronged. They did something bad to me. It is not up to me to take the first step. They need to feel bad, and they need to come to me. It sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds right. But at the end, it's just a lie. 
Because at the end, here's what happens. It never ever moves you towards forgiveness. Or how about this lie? You have to forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. We have heard this so long, we actually think it's in the Bible. I mean, it sounds churchy, doesn't it? Forgive and forget. It sounds churchy, but let me just tell you, it's not in Scripture. Do you know where this comes from? Cervantes' book, Don Quixote. (laughs) That's where it comes. Here's the actual quote from that book. Let us forget and forgive injuries. See, what happens is this. When we believe this lie, it imposes this unreal expectation on forgiveness. And when Satan could have us believe this unreal expectation of forgiveness, then we don't forgive. And these are just some of them. Listen to some of just a few more of Satan's lies. You know, they need to learn a lesson. They just need to learn a lesson. How about this one? I'm going to just let them stew for a while. I'm going to let them stew for a while and realize how, how wrong they've treated me. They need to learn that actions have consequences. Or how about this? How could I forgive them? They don't even feel sorry. And over and over again, it's just lies. And the longer we hear these lies, here's what begins to happen. It begins to skew the definition of what true biblical forgiveness is. We listen to these lies long enough and all of a sudden we actually don't really know what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. And so I think it's important for us today to look at the biblical definition of forgiveness as we expose these lies about forgiveness. Because again, if Satan could take out forgiveness, Christianity seizes up. So here's some definitions. When you look at the word forgive, when you look at that word just in general, when you see that in the Bible, forgive, it means the idea of this, that I am released from, the, from bondage. It is letting go of sins as if they were never, ever committed. It is released from the bondage of sin. That's that core word of forgiveness. But let's take a look at these lies specifically. How about this lie? You can never be forgiven by God. Your sins are too horrible. That's the lie, but here's the truth. There is not a sin that you could commit that God cannot forgive you of. There is not a sin that you could commit that God will not forgive you of. It's just not. It's the action, let's let's take it this way. I want to let you know, number one sinner is taken. Number one sinner is taken. And his name is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has number one taken. That means we are either two and below. And if the number one is forgiven, then two on down is forgiven. Or how about this? It's the idea out of 1 John in chapter 1 and verse 7 where it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood, of, the blood of his Son cleanses us from all sins. That word cleanse there is this idea of this. As soon as sin hits our life, Jesus' blood cleans it up. Think about that for just a minute. 
As soon as sin hits our lives, the blood of Jesus cleans it up. Which means this, right now, at this moment in time, you are 100% pure. 100% pure in Christ. How about this? The lie. You can never forgive those who wronged you. And here's the truth. The truth is, the cross stands over history and speaks the truth that we can forgive those who wronged us. The cross stands over history. And as Jesus was on the cross, an innocent man, beaten, bruised, killed, he still said, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. It, it goes beyond, it's this position of ourselves. It's positioning ourselves in a way different than what Peter even thought. Let me illustrate it this way. Peter went to Jesus and said, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he thought he was being very generous when he said seven now, the reason why he said seven is because the Pharisee said three. And he goes, hey, i got to be better than a Pharisee, so hey, I'm going to say seven. And Jesus just blows him out of the water, and he goes, no, I want you to do this. I want you to forgive 70 times seven. Now, in our mind sometimes, we go, okay, so if we hit 491, that means I could stop forgiving. No, it is not that at all. Here's what's happening here. It's, in that passage, Jesus is saying, I want you to position yourself to quickly forgive others. I want you to position your life and your heart and your mind and your soul to quickly forgive other people. I want you to position yourself that way. The lie, I was wronged and it's not up to me to take the first step. I want to let you know is this. Here's the truth. The truth is the Bible never, ever says that. Ever. It never, ever says that you have to hold out till that person feels sorry. Or you have to hold out until they come to you. It never, ever says that. In fact, the scripture says just the opposite. It says just the opposite is that as soon as you understand there is something not right, you start making steps to correct it. That is the truth. Or how about this one? You have to forgive and you have to forget. Now I want to illustrate how bad this one is. All right, right now what I want you to do is I want you to remember a wrong done to you that you have forgiven. You got it? Shake your head even if you don't. Yes, I have it, all right? I have it. Congratulations, you have not, according to this, not done that. And what we begin to find is this, is that forgiveness is more an act of the will rather than some spiritual amnesia against sins committed against us. Forgiveness at its core is this intentional act that I do and not this lie about forgiving and forgetting. And through this, here's what happens is this. We, we sort of begin to redefine what forgiveness really is. And, and I know, let me just say this. 
I understand it's easy for us to stand here and talk about forgiveness this way. Because here's what we understand is this. Forgiveness is an unnatural act. Forgiveness is an unnatural act. And forgiveness is achingly difficult. It's achingly difficult. And so the question is this. If forgiveness is so achingly difficult, why in the world do it? Why do it? I mean, seriously, why not just simply live in unforgiveness? Why expend the energy, the emotional, spiritual, and physical energy to forgive? I like what C.S. Lewis says here. Everyone says forgiveness is this really lovely idea until they have to forgive somebody. I mean, why don't we just live in unforgiveness? It's a whole lot easier. Not really. And so what I want to share with you is some reasons. Why forgive? Why in the world should we forgive? Number one is this. If we don't forgive, we stop imitating my loving Father. If we don't forgive, we stop imitating God. It's the nature of who He is. It is what He does. He started out creation being a forgiving God. And one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture is that of the prodigal son. And that prodigal son picture of the father looking for the son. Can you imagine every day he gets up and he looks? I don't know if they drank coffee back then, but I can imagine him standing on the porch, right? Drinking a coffee, hoping. I would be drinking a Diet Coke, but drinking a coffee, he's going, maybe today is the day. Maybe today is today. Maybe today is the day that my son, I imagine the prayers that he offered. Maybe he got out, he went out on the front porch and he kneeled down and prayed and he goes, I hope today is the day. And the day finally arrives and notice the action there. It says that he was filled with compassion. Before he started running, he was filled with compassion. And then he just takes out running. If we don't forgive, we just are not imitating God. The second thing is if we don't forgive, we're not following the example of Jesus. i got to let you know that there are several... I mean, I'm moved by, by the way Jesus dealt with people. I'm moved by the way He forgave people. But one of the, the most critical moments where He expresses this forgiveness in such a powerful way is found on the cross. Because the first words out of his mouth is this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that moves me. I love this. I found this. It says, Jesus did not give me what I deserved. I deserved punishment, but I got forgiveness. I deserved wrath, and I got love. I deserved a debtor's prison, and I got a clean credit history. I deserved stern lectures and a crawl-on-your-knees repentance. And I got a banquet spread for me. And that's what it means to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Why forgive? Because if I, don't, if I stop forgetting, I forget how much I'm forgiven. There's this equation, this sort of forgiveness equation that goes on in Scripture. It goes something like this. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. 
Now watch what happens. If I stop forgiving, then I stop realizing how much Jesus has forgiven me. So the more I understand my forgiveness, and the more I forgive, the more I understand the forgiveness that I have received. And so why forgive? Because I want to know how much I've been forgiven. Why should I forgive? Because if I don't forgive, it stops me from being an example to the world. Scripture will look at it this way. In, in the Old Testament, it goes, he says to the Jews, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. In the New Testament, Jesus will use language like, for instance, you are to be a light to the world. He will use language like that. And so here's what it really means is this, is it means that when the world looks in at Christianity, it should, we should exemplify, we should be examples of what Christianity looks like, what kingdom values look like. When the world looks at us, we should, they should be going, oh, and so that's what God meant. Oh, oh, I get that. So that's what Jesus was talking about. And so when the world looks at us, if we stop forgiving, we stop being that example. We stop being the example, and the world goes, well, how should I forgive? And and they got to see it in us, because what happens is this. When they see it in us, they go, oh, so that's what, oh, okay, I get it. That's what forgiveness looks like, because they see it in us. How about this? Why forgive? If we don't forgive, we could keep cycles of blame and pain, and a chain of ungrace continues. We could actually curse future generations. It looks something like this. Here's what we know. We know that we carry things over from our family of origin, right? Everybody shake your head. You're not exempt from this, all right? We carry things over from our family of origin. And I got to let you know, sometimes that's really cool stuff. I mean, sometimes there's this generosity and sometimes there's this grace, there's hospitality, but there is also true as this, is that there are times when we could carry really bad stuff over from our family of origin. And sometimes it looks like unforgiveness. And what, when that happens is, is that we create these cycles in our families. We create these cycles of pain. We create these cycles of unforgiveness. We create these cycles of ungrace. And it just reverberates from one generation to another generation. We were talking about this in the preaching team meeting. And we were talking about the Hatfields and McCoys. Remember those guys? I mean, it was generation after generation after generation of unforgiveness that cost, we didn't even know, how many lives. And if I don't forgive, if I don't forgive, then what happens is, is that I could literally be cursing future generations in the arena and the area of forgiveness. Why should I forgive? It's because this. I receive the benefits of forgiveness. God, in His wonderful wisdom, understood that it's not good for us it is not good for his creation to be in the burden of unforgiveness. 
it, it, it's a strain on who we are and who he created us to be. It's, it, it's an antithesis to everything that he wants us to be and to go for in our lives is unforgiveness. I always like this. It's so funny, though. Is I, so I did a little searching. I did a little searching. The searching was, what is the benefits of unforgiveness? I mean, uh, forgiveness, not unforgiveness, but forgiveness. And you know what? The world finally caught on. I mean, there's all these literally studies from very reputable places. You know, the Mayo Clinic did one. I mean, several different studies. And here's, here's what you come to find out. You want to forgive? You'll lower your risk of heart attack. You need to forgive? Why? It improves your cholesterol levels. I mean, and they had the whole list. Here's what they found out. What they found out was in the medical field is what God has always said. It's better to be a forgiving person. Forgiveness is, is hard. Forgiveness is it's just tough, right? Jesus' sacrifice lets us know that. And as difficult as forgiveness is, there are some really practical steps that I want to suggest today to what I would consider is this, adding oil to the engine of forgiveness. Adding oil to the engine of forgiveness. Bill, what can I do today? What are some practical steps for me today that will help me to add the oil of forgiveness to Christianity? Here's the first one is this. Understand and accept. Understand and accept you Understand and accept the forgiveness you have because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Today, if you've not been immersed into Jesus, do that today. And accept that forgiveness that Jesus offers through the blood of his son. Or how about this? It's just simply understanding this awesome truth. Understanding this awesome truth, and that is this. That we stand pure in the sight of God. We stand pure in the sight of God. And our consciences and our angel, the angel of light may be whispering in our ear that we're defiled, we're sinners, we're horrible. But I want to let you know, the cross stands in opposition to that to let us know, listen, if you're in Jesus, you are pure. You're 100%. Trust Jesus. Trust the sacrifice of Jesus. See, that's what faith is. That's what faith is, is trusting Jesus. Trusting the sacrifice of Jesus. Number two is this. Always be willing to take the first step. Hey, let us be first step people. How about that? Let us be first step people. There's this wonderful principle. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. All right, and we're going to look at verse 23 and 24. Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. We've been through all over, but I want us to put our eyeballs on this verse. Now, notice the context of it is it's in the, in the midst of anger and being angry at your brother. But notice what 23 and 24 says. Therefore, therefore, if you have an offering, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, rem and there remember that you, your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. I mean, there's several principles here that are really, really important. The first one is this, is that unforgiveness impedes our worship to God. Unforgiveness impedes our worship to God. But here's what really is important about this, is that we need to be people who are willing to take the first step. 
We are people who are willing to take the first step. Oh, so-and-so, hey, I think there's something problem here. I'm going to take the first, I'm going to be a first step person. No, I'm not going to wait till they, quote, feel wrong, feel bad. I'm not going to wait till they realize that they're wrong. I'm going to be a first step person. I am going to take the first step. And number three is this. Practice forgiveness in the small stuff. It's the Civil War, and uh, it's, in the, it's in Kentucky. And this woman is irate. She is so upset because the, northern, the, the shelling of the northern uh, army has damaged this beautiful oak tree that sits in the front of her house. And so she gets the ear of, of General, General Lee. And he she takes her over there and he goes, she goes, look at what they did to my tree. Now understand how absurd this is. I mean, there's death and there's dying. There's all this horrible stuff going on. And she's complaining about the damage done to her tree. And Lee looks at her and says, cut it down and forget about it. Cut it down and forget about it. I've often wondered if we have trouble in forgiving big things because we've really not captured, we've really not captured the beauty of forgiveness in the small things. So here's the question today is this. Do you have any oak trees in your life right now? Do you have any oak trees in your life right now? And if you do, here's, here's the word you need to hear. Cut it down and forget about it. Cut it down and forget about it. Because here's the thing. If I could practice forgiveness in the small things, it helps me so much when the really big things come into my life. Because I've already cut down the small things and I forgot about those things. Today, as we conclude, is this. The angel of light, he will do anything and he will say anything. Because he knows that if he messes up forgiveness, if he lies enough about forgiveness, it will, it will seize Christianity. It will, it will make Christianity stop in its tracks. And so today, here's what I want to encourage us to do. First off is, is to experience God's forgiveness. But the second thing I want us to do is to express Christ's forgiveness to each other. And if we could help you with that, come as we stand and as we sing.